Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Corey Walsh Podcast. Today is Friday, the 15th of May. Uh, we are going to be joined by the big sports guy, Kyle Erickson, and we're going to talk about the uh, Russell Wilson to the Browns rumors, along with power ranking the ugliest new uniforms that have been released for this season. And then we're going to finish it off with talking about uh, the winners and losers of the NFL schedule release. God, having the schedule release makes the NFL season coming back feel more normal, right? Well, let's get on to the podcast and talk to Kyle. All right, so now joining us on the pod, we got big sports guy coming back again for his reoccurring appearance, Kyle Erickson. Welcome back, Kyle. Hey, Corey. Thanks for having me. Oh, no problem. I mean, we were thinking, heading up to this, we are only going to talk NFL uh, schedule release, but uh, winners and losers. But then this Russell Wilson thing just came out of nowhere that uh, allegedly the Seahawks offered Russell Wilson for the Browns' first round, first overall pick back in 2018, which eventually was Baker Mayfield. But we, I feel like, do we know that they wanted to take Baker Mayfield with that pick? I don't know that we do. I also can't imagine that that's real. I, I just have such a hard time imagining that the Seahawks actually offered Russell Wilson up. I mean, there has been uh, crazier things. Allegedly, this was the team that wanted to sign Cam Newton as their backup this year for God knows what reason. Like, Russell Wilson is never injured, so it's not like you can use that angle being like, we just wanted a good backup in case Russ goes down. There must be someone in the Seahawks organization who doesn't like Russ. I can't imagine that the Seahawks are actually considering bringing in Cam Newton or, or that they actually wanted to trade him in the first place. Russell Wilson is like... If not the best quarterback right now, he's second best behind Mahomes. Yeah, I mean, let's not forget, uh, even though Patrick Mahomes has basically taken the league by storm, last year the MVP discussion for the majority of last season was Russell Wilson. Yeah, it was Russell, and he kind of deserved it. I mean, the Seahawks always have one of the worst offensive lines in football. I think last year they were like 29th, according to PFF, maybe. And Russell Wilson is still winning 11 games a season. I mean, that's just – Russell Wilson is so good. I, I can't take the disrespect with him. Oh, no, me neither. I mean, especially when you – I decided to take this in, like, what – um, when you think about this, what look is this worse for? Is this worse for the Seahawks trying to give away the face of their franchise for a, a basically an unknown when your quarterback's already base, guaranteed to be a Hall of Famer? Or are you – is it bad for the Browns who rejected the trade being like, yeah, you know, Russ is pretty good, but this Baker guy's got something special. Oh, that's a good question. That's a really good question. Yeah. I got to go with the Browns. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, Cleveland turned down. If this is real, if it's real, Cleveland said no to possibly the greatest quarterback of our generation, which is just like the most Cleveland Browns thing I think I've ever heard. But it's still also really dumb, if it is true, that Seattle offered Russell Wilson up. Because, like, before Russell Wilson got to Seattle, like, what were the Seahawks, you know? They were a perennial 7-9 and nine or worse team, and they were kind of a laughing stock, you know? Seattle had never won a Super Bowl before Russell Wilson. They'd never even been. Like, they were known as, like, the flashy team out west with kind of cool uniforms, and that was just about it. Then Russell Wilson comes to town, and in eight years, they have not had a losing season. Like, in eight years, he's gotten them to two Super Bowls. That's a pretty good percentage, getting to the Super Bowl 25% of the time. You know, I just I just don't get 
all the leaks and the disrespect with Russell Wilson because he's so good, and I would kill to have him on my team. I'm yeah. just saying. I mean, the Browns, I mean, they, uh, they've they been pretty solid at Baker. Uh, they've been 12-17. and 17. Oh, that's stellar. <laughs> that's pretty sweet. And I honestly would argue that what Baker had last year is more talented on offense than what Russ has had basically in his entire career. Oh, for sure, yeah. I mean, Russell Wilson has never had elite weapons around him except beast mode i, I mean i think their best sydney receiver, rice sydney rice yeah percy harvin percy harvin always um, panned out yeah didn't percy harvin used to get high before every game yeah I think that was him right? he is attempting an nfl comeback so if you're looking yeah. for a speedster that will pull his hammy by week two call up yeah. percy harvin yeah i mean percy harvin he, he was really good especially at college when he was at florida he played with tim tebow um, but yeah, I mean, Seattle's never had great weapons around Russ. Like who's their best option right now? Tyler Lockett. Yeah. Um, I guess probably DK Metcalf is, is, you know, he will be a better player, but right now Lockett's the more refined receiver. If, Lock- if uh, um, Metcalf knows how and, to run any other route, but straight, but straight. Yeah. <laughs> That's all they do with them is just send them deep down the field. All right, go muscle the corner and we'll, uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, but like Russell Wilson has done more with less than anybody I can think of in professional football, and he's he's like the perfect dual threat player for today's NFL, right? Like he's mobile, he can escape pressure, he can run if he needs to, but he avoids hits pretty much at all costs. Mm-hmm. So he knows how to protect himself, and yet he knows how to escape and, and to make something happen out of nothing on top of the fact that he's just really, really good. <laughs> like, the guy already has over 20 career, you know, fourth quarter and overtime comebacks, and yet he's only in year eight. And he's already got more comebacks than Jim Kelly, Boomer Esiason, Randall Cunningham, all these, like, greats. So I, I really – don't understand what's going on in Seattle. I don't know if they're actually considering bringing in Cam Newton and actually wanted to trade him or if just someone in the organization is is leaking this. I feel like it's actually true because after this like whole trade rumor thing happened, guess who they signed as their new backup? Geno Smith, the least threatening backup quarterback to Russell Wilson. So they're like, yeah, you know, sorry this rumor came out. So we kind of gave up on Cam Newton. Here's Geno Smith. You don't it's have to okay, worry about Russell, your job. We're not going to replace you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gino yeah. Smith's like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, Geno Smith is a, is a good backup, too. Hasn't he been in Seattle? I think he was for a little bit, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think he was, too. But um, uh, he is he is awful. <laughs> he yeah, really. Yeah, he's awful. <laughs> he's beloved good by thing, Giants good, fans. <laughs> <laughs> good thing uh, Russell Wilson has never missed a game in his eight seasons in the NFL. So Gino Smith never has to see the field. Damn. <laughs> that is a tough <laughs> look for Gino. <laughs> no I, uh, disrespect, Gino Smith, but Russell Wilson is another level. And you are not even an average level. <laughs> <laughs> I uh so Baker Mayfield, just to talk about what the Browns did end up getting with that uh pick they really coveted. Um, like I said, twelve and seventeen as a starter. Uh that's pretty sweet. And uh, for a quarterback that was only praised for being a very accurate college quarterback, his uh, completion percentage over his career 
was is 61.5, which is definitely not the NFL average for uh, completions. He has 49 touchdowns and 35 interceptions. But let's not forget the 2019, he was basically atrocious. He, yeah, uh, he was so bad. He had a sub-60 completion percentage at 59.4. He brought the Browns to 6-10. and 10. Whew, That was the season that everyone was thinking they'd have when the season started. He also threw 22 touchdowns with 21 interceptions. So let me get this straight. He was 6-7 and seven in his first year, but the second year, I know there's the second-year film, but also his team was a lot better in his second year than it was in his first year. They, uh, they got much better amount of offensive weapons. Another year under his belt. He should have also taken a jump even though the film is still there, especially if you're a first-round pick. And for a quarterback that is dependent on accuracy, he is below 60% in his second year. So I know what you're thinking on paper there. Like, that's pretty bad. But let's just think about in the last season. These were the quarterbacks in the NFL with a higher accuracy last season than Baker Mayfield. We got Andy Dalton. That makes sense, right? Yeah. Uh, Mitch Trubisky. Ooh. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Oh, boy. Jacoby Brissett. Daniel Jones, Mason Rudolph. Oh no! And Case Keenum. Oh my God! By the oh, way, God. just to say, uh, Russell Wilson was sixty-six percent, which is <laughs> a smidge better. <laughs> so that's what Russell Wilson's done over his entire career: is post 65, 66, 67 percent completion percentages every single year, every Baker's season been, he's been in the NFL. Baker's been the king of. Uh, he went not. He went from 63% in his first year to 59% in his second year. Oof. And uh, so let's look at the biggest wins between these two quarterbacks in their first two years. I mean, we got with Baker Mayfield. He uh, he beat the Ravens uh, in week four. Week four, yeah. Yep, yep. 40 to 25. I bet you're wondering. Give him that one. Yeah, he probably did pretty well, right? Uh, Not really. Um, He was 20 for 30 for 342 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Hmm, that's weird. How'd they win that game then? Oh, they won because Nick Chubb carried the ball 20 times for 165 yards and three touchdowns. Yeah, yeah. What, What were Russell Wilson's first two seasons like, just for comparison? Because Baker Mayfield, you know, I not a good start to his career, but also last season his head coach was Freddie Kitchens, and he is also only two seasons into the NFL. Yeah, 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 that would make sense. But I mean, let's see, Russell Wilson, what did he do in his first two years? That was pretty impressive. Oh, in his rookie year, he beat Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady in the same year. Oh, but you probably would think because you know in the early years they didn't use him that much. Uh. I mean, I guess he was 10 for 21 against Green Bay for two touchdowns and 130 yards. And against New England, he was 16 for 27 for 293 yards and three touchdowns. But don't worry, Baker in his rookie year also beat the Buffalo Bills. The Bills with Josh Allen? Yep. Wow, that's impressive. Josh Allen, who still can't complete more than 60% of his passes. Don't worry. That was Baker is a step above that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, that was in his second year. So, like, you'd probably think, yeah, the film probably would catch up with uh, Russell Wilson, right? Okay, yeah, maybe. Uh, he won the Super Bowl in his second year. Uh, and uh, he also, uh, on the road to there, beat New Orleans 
and uh, he was 19 for 26 for two touchdowns and 289 yards. Notice how there's no interceptions in these good games. No, there aren't. And then uh, against the slaughter of Denver. I know that was mostly the defense, but even when he had the ball, he was 18 for 25, 206 yards and two touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah, Russell Wilson did not lose that Super Bowl. I'm mad that you brought that up. That's PTSD for a Broncos fan. <laughs> I'm sorry to do that to you. but uh, It's okay. You know, I was just having a great day, Corey. <laughs> you just had to ruin it. <laughs> I am so sorry. Uh, the biggest losses of Baker to me are way worse than the lack of like emphasis he has on those wins. I mean, he played... I don't know if you remember week one this year, he played the Titans and they lost yeah. 43 to 13. I know you're thinking the Titans made the wild card. This is back when they had Mariota and their offense was stagnant and they lost. And Baker, okay, he had three touchdowns and 279 yards, but oh, wow, he only completed 12 of 27 and he threw three interceptions. That's pretty weird. But that's not even where it's not how they always say it's not where you start, it's where you finish. I don't like where he finished either because they lost to the two and fourteen Bengals, thirty-three to twenty-three, oh. and he is the sole reason they lost. They he was twenty-five for thirty-eight for two hundred eighty-five yards, one touchdown, and three interceptions against the Bengals. Oh, Baker! How oh, how sorry. on earth do they do this? No, yeah, and in and in hindsight, the the proposed trade between Seattle and Cleveland, it was just straight up Russell Wilson for Baker. Just straight up Russell Wilson for the first overall pick, was it not? I think so. I mean, maybe they like Darnold more, I maybe. guess. Because, you know, yeah. that USC tie. Uh-huh. Yeah, with Pete Carroll. Yeah, but, I mean, come on. We could do the same thing for Sam Darnold, you know, over his – I guess last year was his second season, right? Same yeah. class as Baker. He doesn't compare to Russell Wilson, you know? Russell Wilson has – nine playoff wins like he has more playoff wins in the last eight years he has more than double the number of playoff wins the last eight years than drew Brees had all last decade and drew Brees played two extra seasons than him like russell wilson he's made the pro bowl six times in eight years like he's his career touchdown to interception ratio is like three and a half to one he's got 227 touchdowns to only 68 career interceptions like this, Russell Wilson is so head and shoulders above almost every single other quarterback in the NFL. It just boggles my mind that Seattle would would even entertain the idea of of getting rid of him. It, I mean, first off, Russell Wilson's a robot because in his rookie and second year, his stats were almost exactly identical. He threw for twenty six touchdowns, ten interceptions, and he had four game winning drives in his rookie year. In his second year, he improved by the slightest margin possible. 26 touchdowns, 9 interceptions, 4 game-winning drives. Yeah. Consistency is is the hallmark of Russell Wilson's game. And it's something he talks about himself a lot. Is that what makes the great ones great is how consistently they can perform. And Russell Wilson, too, you know, the four fourth-quarter comebacks in each of his first two years, that's right on par for what he's done over his career, having already over 20 comebacks in just eight seasons. But, you know, he, he, you know, he was speaking to someone uh, this offseason. I, I think it was a few months back, actually. And he said that if it's late in the game and you're giving Seattle a chance and you see him run on the field, he wants to strike fear in his opponent's hearts. <laughs> 
And when I see Russell Wilson jog onto the field with two minutes left in a game, that's how I feel as an opposing fan. He is just so, so much better than every other quarterback alive except for Patrick Mahomes right now. There's really nothing else to say. Yeah, I mean, respect on Russ's name. (laughs) I feel like, uh, like you said, the O line for Russ has been terrible his whole career. And you know what was the major complaint about the Browns last year that they had a terrible offensive line, bad O line. Yeah, and Baker's just not the same quarterback in that way. Like not not only is he not that mobile, which is like I guess not an issue for like a problem. I can't say that's a flaw for Baker because he was never known as being mobile anyway. But at the same time. Russell Wilson is the face of the Seahawks franchise, so for that reason alone, I would say it probably looks worse on the Seahawks for getting rid of the best quarter, the best player they've had in probably their entire history. Yeah, yeah, agreed. And you know, did, did you see this other thing too? The the Pro Football Focus list of best players the last decade. Did, did you get a yeah, chance yeah. to take yeah take a <laughs> look at that was, list? Uh, below oh, Richard Sherman. Yeah, R- Russell Wilson over the last decade was ranked as. Only the fourth best Seattle Seahawk. Um, like, really, Earl Thomas is, is is better than Russell Wilson, and he was ranked as in the 30s as what, like the 33rd best overall player of the last decade. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I that's just wrong. Like Matt Ryan is rated as a better quarterback than Russell Wilson. That was solely was based off of Russell... his MVP. <laughs> yeah, I guess. But when was the last time Russell Wilson had a four-win season? Never. Russell Wilson has had only nine win seasons and up. <laughs> Matt Ryan, though. He... Yeah, I'm so confused on Matt Ryan. Like, how, how are he people, that... like, people going to remember it for? year when Kyle Shanahan was the OC. Yeah. That one time. He's always been pretty solid. So I just don't know where we're going to, like, remember Matt Ryan when we look back on his career. We're going to be like, because I feel like Falcons fans probably view him as, like, overall, the best quarterback they've had. Obviously, Michael Vick was better, like, for a shorter amount of time. But I feel like they would think of Matt Ryan as, like, their stalwart, like, franchise quarterback. Yeah, yeah. To be fair to Matt Ryan, he is probably the best quarterback Atlanta's had. Mike Vick was more talented, but the longevity gives the edge to Matt Ryan. But Matt Ryan and Russell Wilson shouldn't be in the same sentence. No, and if that's not. not that's that's not like disrespect to Matt Ryan because he is a really good quarterback. I I still think he's a top ten NFL quarterback. Mm. Um, but again, Russell Wilson, the things he's done, it's it just goes above and beyond what Matt Ryan has ever accomplished. You know, I mean, Russell Wilson has a ring. He's one correct play call away on the goal line from two rings. Um, you know, Matt Ryan doesn't have the same number of career comebacks, right? Like mm-hmm. Matt Ryan wasn't um, going down the field for four fourth quarter comebacks his rookie year and his sophomore season. You know, Ru- like Matt Ryan doesn't have the number of playoff wins that Russell Wilson has. So to me, like it, we're talking about apples and oranges. They're just two entirely different players on two entirely different tiers. Yeah, 100%. no disrespect to Matt Ryan, but. It's no disrespect to Matt Ryan. I mean, yeah, it's like, I don't. It, Russell Wilson's a surefire Hall of Fame quarterback, and already Matt, yes, Matt Ryan I would say is like Eli Manning tier, I guess on that. 
Yeah. Um, Not because of like, okay, so I know all the Giants fans would probably dive down my throat immediately being like, Eli's won two Super Bowls. And I'm just, yes. <laughs> and I would just say in response, yeah, but Matt Ryan is definitely a more winning quarterback over his career and has not almost complete, doesn't have the most interceptions in a season under his belt. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Matt, Matt Ryan is more talented than Eli, but Eli won. So you have to give Eli that credit. No, and he I, did it twice. He yeah. did it twice, which proves it isn't a fluke. Whereas Matt Ryan, he gets to the Super Bowl once against the Patriots, and we all remember how that one went. <laughs> Don't we, Corey? Yeah, we, we do. <laughs> <laughs> 28 to 3. Hell yeah. <laughs> I, um, yeah, all right. So we're going to just move on to, um, so for those who don't know, if you don't have a social media account, which if you don't, it's interesting how you found this podcast then. <laughs> I, uh, we decided that we're going to power rank the ugliest of the new uniforms. Cause let's face it. There's a lot more ugly ones than there are nice ones. Yeah. Yeah. There really are. Uh, you want to kick us off here, Corey? All right. So we're going to start from the, the nicest to the ugliest. I feel like okay. you and me are going to be in universal agreement here. The yeah, LA I chargers the have by far have the nicest uniforms. Yes, that's not even a question. I think everyone's in agreement that the Chargers' new uniforms are incredible, especially the powder blue jersey. Oh, yeah, I like that one. My favorite one was the throwback to the LT unis with the dark blue. With the, I love the dark blue lightning bolt they did on the helmet, too. Yeah, oh, that's so good. I, I really like just the lightning bolt that's on the pants, Mm-hmm. Like that's on every single one of the pants and, and the, the yellow lightning bolt on their white pants is such a great look. And then also the number on the helmet. I, I love that classic. too. Like a retro yeah. look. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. They have one like uniform set where they'll wear the powder blue Jersey and then yellow pants with a thunderbolt on the side. And that's just the cleanest looking uniform. I think in all of sports, the chargers hit a home run. Yeah. I was like, I looked at because they when they showed the social media picture, they showed all the uniform options they have. One, they have more choices than any other team, I think, in the entire league now. I think they have like six. Yeah, they do. They're like the Oregon of the NFL. Seriously. <laughs> and then I love all the choices. And I mean, I haven't liked new uniforms for a team this much since the Seahawks did their revamp. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's been a long time since I've liked a, a new uniform as much as I've liked the Chargers. And like you said, the number of combinations they have is incredible. They have the dark blue jerseys, which are so sleek. They have white jerseys. They have the powder blue. And then they also have um, the yellow pants that I mentioned as well, which complement the powder blue and the white jersey so well. They have, what is it, four different jersey combinations that they can use, four or five different ones? I saw six. Six, yeah. Oh my god, the Chargers did such a great job with these. I want a Chargers jersey. Just looking at them, and I'm not even a fan. You neither are their fans. So yeah, <laughs> don't, don't worry about is, it. Is anyone a genuine Chargers fan? If you're a Chargers fan, tweet at uh, our Twitter at the Extended Cut underscore, and uh, yeah. I would love Let to know, know if there's a pulse out there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> are there any Chargers fans? <laughs> if you are, were, there might be a reward. They, they, they've been drawing ticket sales to their MLS stadium that's, you know, like rivaling XFL ticket sale numbers. God, they live the dream. 
They, they're living the dream, yeah. <laughs> All right. Speaking Put them back of, uh, in San Diego, please. <laughs> yeah. Speaking <laughs> of uh, living the dream, uh, I got it for my uh, fifth ranked uniform. It, so the second best? The second yeah, best uniform? Yeah, the second best uniform. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, I I am in agreement with that one. Um, if the Chargers didn't redo their uniforms this year, I think the Buccaneers would have had the best. Yeah, me too. Because they, they returned to like the classic 2000-style Buccaneers uniforms, which are just such a great look. They're so fresh. Yeah, they just basically um, modernized it. They didn't have the weird numbers that they had for the past few years, like the reflective tape crossing guard numbers. Yeah, they got rid of all that nonsense, and they're just, like, they're cleaner, they're simpler, and they're better-look uniforms, in my opinion. The all-pewter uniforms that they have, you know, like that, mm -hmm. the bronze pants, the and color rush. jersey look. Yeah, those are so great. And I think the numbers, too, like you mentioned, they cleaned those up a lot. It's just simpler, you know, more to the point. I think it's a classic Buccaneers look. And it came at the perfect time, right? What a better opportunity like, what better opportunity could there be for you to redo your brand than getting the GOAT? And they're returning to these uniforms that remind me of, like, the Super Bowl days. Yeah, John Tampa Gruden. Day, when John Gruden was the coach. I think the Buccaneers did a terrific job. Oh, yeah, me too. I actually – it's funny you said the pewter uniforms because they're definitely, like, my least favorite of all the uniforms. I don't know. Me too, but I still think that they look good. Like They're I, not I bad. Think no. I think – I think their red jerseys are my favorite. Just the clean red Buccaneers right on top of the number. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, those those are great. And also, like, it looks like they cleaned up the helmet slightly, too. Yeah. Because um, the, the helmet that they were wearing last year, the Buccaneers logo, was just so obnoxiously large across the helmet. <laughs> it, it took up, like, the whole – it, like, ran the circumference of the helmet. Yeah, it just didn't look good. I, I think that they made – like a very very small tweaks to that just to clean up the look as well. I think the Buccaneers you new uniforms are amazing. And I really want to get a Gronk Tampa Bay jersey. Tampa Bay jersey. <laughs> I like really want to <laughs> I really want a red Gronk jersey, but I can't afford it right now. <laughs> <laughs> I want all these uniforms, but unfortunately I can only buy my favorite team's unis, the Chargers. The Chargers. <laughs> Said no one ever. <laughs> <laughs> Some little kid's like, Mom, I want a Chargers jersey. The mom's just like, the, the who? You're, what? You can't root for them. You're grounded. <laughs> you're, you're not going anywhere. Yeah. Um, oh, man. So I got for fourth. Uh, the third nicest is uh, I thought the Patriots uniforms were nice because they were essentially, they took the color rush jerseys, which everyone loved, and they just took them in and were like, you know what? We're just going to make them our home and away jerseys. We'll just change the color. Yeah, I actually I'm not as big a fan as you know of the Patriots new uniforms I think as you are, but you're also a Pats fan, so I'll I'll defer to you. I just think that they look like a ripoff of the XFL Guardians jerseys. I mean, they are a ripoff of the XFL Guardians jerseys. It's like the exact same jersey, just the Patriots color scheme. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know the Patriots also had. I thought really great uniforms. You know? I, I like, don't know why we changed them, but I feel like I don't every know why team, they changed them either. I think every yeah, team has in the past three years. I think there must be some sort of cycle teams have to go through. I honestly, I was kind of disappointed by these, but I'm not saying I love them because they're the third best. Like I said, a lot of these are ugly. So I consider this yeah. like a eh. 
Yeah, I, I think they're an ant too. I mean, honestly, the only Patriots uniform that I would love to have back are the classic, you know, yep. Patriot Pat ones. The red jerseys with the white helmet. Those are some of the best looking uniforms. If they sports. switch, those are up there with the Chargers. Yeah, if you put this uniform, but if you put the Pat the like a revamped version of Pat the Patriot on it instead of yes, the Elvis and head red jerseys, red yep. home jerseys too. Oh, oh my that God. would be so clean. Yeah, if you do red yeah. with like. I don't even know, like blue and white on the shoulders instead of red and white. Oh my god, that would have that been... would look so good. That would. Yeah, I good. mean, you know, I, I just don't know how the Patriots could have improved. Like the Patriot Pat uniforms of the old days were so great, but then also the two thousands jerseys have their own like distinctive New England look to them. Um, and you know, personally, I I just think that the jerseys are a little worse. Like the numbers on the jerseys look pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Um, that like they take up the entire back <laughs> of the jersey. It, like it looks like some like you know test that the Oregon Ducks would use, like that Nike would give to them for some shitty regular season game against an SCS team. <laughs> like it looks like something they're just experimenting with and don't actually know if it's gonna work. I would and have to say that I'm just it's... I'm just not the biggest fan. Not gonna lie to you. Yeah, no. If the Jets weren't in the division, I would say the Patriots have the ugliest uniforms now. <laughs> Yeah, but the Jets uniforms are really all-time trash. Like, yeah, the, did, you see, did you see that thing where their Twitter, like, they got added for having the worst uniforms, and they were like, yeah. oh, excuse me, did you see our black Jets uniforms? Yeah, I did. Did you see your other two uniforms by any chance? They don't work. The black is not that much of an upgrade, New York. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I never associated the Jets with black, ever. No. Never. In the green and white jerseys you guys do have are trash. They look like a worse version of the Browns uniforms of the last three years. I am so glad that you just said the Browns because uh, they were my third, uh, wor- uh, third, four- fourth, third, third worst. <laughs> yeah, third fourth worst. <laughs> third worst. This power ranking thing is going smoothly. I must say. Smoothly. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I don't know. Did you have the Browns at the third nicest? Yeah, so I actually had the Patriots and the Browns flipped. Um, But, you know, I I actually don't mind Cleveland's new uniforms. I don't either. I don't don't think that they're really an upgrade, but I also don't think that they're going to take away from anything because it's really a return to, like, the classic Cleveland Browns look. You know, they, they brought back the orange stripes on the sides of the jerseys, on the sleeves and with the socks, which I like. Um, and you know, it's, it's on brand. Like they got rid of the tacky Cleveland at the top of the Jersey that was like above the numbers. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Like right um, where the NFL crest is. Yeah. And, and to me, it was just really simplifying their kit, simplifying their uniforms. I, I think the only combinations they have are, uh, Brown Jersey, Brown pants or white Jersey and white pants. Nice. Um, <laughs> to, yeah, nice to go along with the, the classic orange helmet. Um, you know, I don't think it was a, a super significant change, but I, I think that they'll look cleaner on TV. Um, and, you know, until Cleveland actually starts winning games, what does any of this matter? <laughs> I agree with you. I was <laughs> just like, when I looked at him, like, they changed what? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, they're not ugly. They're just like more of the same. And I honestly 
cannot think of a way to make the Browns jerseys look modern. They just are stuck looking similar to the last one and the one after that and the one after that. It just goes on and on. I guarantee you, if you look through NFL history of the Browns jerseys, it like all they do is change the direction of stripes or or like wherever they are on the uniform. You can't change that. You're not going to see like a massive Browns revamping. No, and it's going to be really tough to make flashy and like attractive uniforms out of their color scheme which consists of a dead fall brown (laughs) and uh depressed orange (laughs) like there's there's just there's just not a lot to work with there me like paper bag brown maybe excite the fans a little (laughs) make them feel familiar (laughs) that's amazing they should change their primary color to paper bag brown It'd be a really good fit. Paper bag Browns. And we wonder why LeBron left. Anyway, uh, (laughs) this might come as a shock to a lot of people, but I have for the second worst new uniform, I have the Falcons as the second worst, not the worst. Uh, Okay. I feel like you and me have the last two flipped. (laughs) Yes, I have the Falcons as the worst new uniform. All right, I'll, I'll go first, and then you can... Drive so the, the Rams second worst, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Go I, ahead, Corey. I uh, these are literally XFL reject uniforms. Like this was a team that they thought existed, and they're like, "We're gonna have Atlanta have an XFL team." I look, I already made the the prompt for it, and they're like, uh, "Actually, we're not gonna have it in Atlanta, so we're just gonna throw these out with the Falcons." Oh wait, no, those look awesome. We'll take them. God, we'll they're take so, them. Yeah, they're Don't so throw those out. They're so modern. They are not cool. They were definitely trying to look like the Hawks uniforms, which I hate the Hawks uniforms. So I don't know why you would want to look like them because their uniforms are basically trying to do the same exact thing. The thing when I think of the Hawks uniforms, I think of their super ugly like triangle shades of red and maroon home uniform. And I feel like they just tried to go really modern with the look. I do not like it. And my least favorite is definitely that weird red to black fade, which I feel like was supposed to be like their Peace Taylor's resistance. They're just like, check this out. This is pretty sweet. <laughs> and everyone's just like, ugh. And they're like, who's the last team to do a weird fade thing? Oh, the Jacksonville Jaguars with that. The Jags. Nice. That was. That that was exactly what I was going to say. You know, like they have three new jerseys, a black jersey, a white jersey, and then the red jersey. And the red jersey has that ridiculous black to red gradient that's just over the entire jersey. If you haven't seen these yet, Google the Falcons new uniforms. This red jersey looks like the Jaguars two-tone helmet that lasted for all of, what, one and a half seasons before the NFL was like, we have to get rid of these. These are too bad. I mean, like... The Falcons' black and white jerseys are okay. I do like the ATL on the front of them. But, God, that gradient red jersey is just so terrible. Just so terrible. I mean, it it reminds me of the worst franchise in the NFL, the Jacksonville Jaguars. No offense, Jaguars fans. (laughs) And they didn't – you know, I I thought their old jerseys were better. I think that the Falcons went off-brand when they didn't need to. You know, mm-hmm. like, what is the reason for the Falcons to shake up their brand as much as they did? Like, they got to the Super Bowl just a few years ago. They have a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. Like, they have a great stadium. Like, I don't know. Like, the Falcons didn't really need to to do this. But they did. 
and they made their uniforms worse. So here we are. <laughs> Congratulations. How do we end up here? Congratulations, Atlanta. <laughs> you played yourself. I um, I, It's weird that you said that because I feel like the ATL is like so much bigger than any other like like name above the numbers in the NFL. Like it takes up probably one fifth of the uniform. Yeah. And then I the numbers that, are ginormous. That, yeah, the numbers are like the Patriots. They're just obnoxious on the jersey. And you know what? The ATL might turn out to be like the Cleveland on the Browns old jersey that after, you know, we see them on the field we just think is tacky and needless. You know, why do you need to tell the other team you're from Atlanta? They know you're the Falcons, you know? Yeah. They don't even show the logo on the shoulders, which I think is weird. Yeah. I, I just don't know. I don't know. I, (laughs) I thought, I thought the Falcons new uniforms were actually worse than the LA Rams, but the LA Rams have um, not a lot going for them too. Yeah. It's more like, okay. So I have the Rams as the worst. You have them as the second worst. I, yes. I'm taking into account that their entire rebranding to me is atrocious. I loved their old logo, just the classic Ram. I don't need L.A. with a like somewhat realistic Ram horn like curled around it. It just doesn't look good. It looks like a minor league baseball team's logo. And I just um, the, then the uniforms come out, and it was just the icing on the cake for me. And I'm just like, oh. God, what is happening to this team? It was so cool. First thing, don't worry though, they got rid of Brandon Cooks. <laughs> and yeah, uh, right. <laughs> Brandon Cooks is gone, so all is well. Now Cooper Cup and Robert Woods can tear it up. I have more faith we, in Cooper Cup. <laughs> they, they still got Goff, you know, who's like I don't know, top twenty-two. <laughs> He's <laughs> like dang average. Oh, and don't worry, the best running back you've had since like Marshall Falk is gone. He's gone. Yeah. Because you overpaid him way too much. But don't worry. You are now home, in my opinion, to the ugliest one uniform. That weird ram horn color, which they said they picked. Because it was a combination of the beach and a ram horn. And I'm just like, what on earth is this? And they all have a name tag, basically, in their corner of their jersey saying, oh, by the way, hi, I'm the Rams. Yeah, that name tag's really bad. The name tag looks like an advertisement to me. I don't – it just doesn't – it's like the ATL and the, the Cleveland on, on the Falcons and Browns jerseys. You don't need to tell the other team who you are. Like, hey guys. they know who you are. Like, And I agree with you. The color scheme isn't great. I, I mean, I, I don't think they're as bad as the internet has made them to seem. Like, the, the colors are very SoCal, you know? Like, a lighter blue, like, a beachy, like, coastal gold color my bigger issue with the rams new uniforms is the numbers they're weird first of all pro bowl numbers yeah like the color gradient on the numbers suck like stop don't do that pick a color white or yellow and stick with it also like the rounded shape of the numbers that's just like not the rams you know (laughs) the rams have always had a more classic look and like not every team can pull off the rounded numbers the Denver Broncos can do it, but that's been the Denver Broncos brand going back <laughs> decades. Like it just doesn't fit with the Rams, but like, I, I also wasn't thrilled with their old uniforms, like of the past few seasons since they moved to LA. Cause to me, they were a combination of like the old LA Rams mixed in with some like remnants of the St. Louis team. So, you know, I'm, I'm glad the Rams have put together their own unique brand for being in Los Angeles. Um, 
And the one thing I do like with the Rams uniforms, I got to give them credit for this. I really like their new helmets. I think their new logo with the Ram horn in LA is dumb, but the new metallic helmets that they have, the Ram horn just looks like sleeker. It looks tougher in my opinion. Um, But the jerseys are really not good. The numbers look ridiculous. Um, I just, I don't know. And then the, the LA Rams patch is so unnecessary. I think these will grow on us faster than we think, you know, when we see the Rams on the field and, you know, it, it'll look like a classic Rams color, but I just don't know. They, they got too fancy with them. And so Cal. yeah, so Cal. I don't, the Rams had like the LA Rams brand was a classic look of like the darker blue and gold mixed with like a classic style of number and lettering now it's just like trying to be so modern and they're trying to be something they're not you know yeah i uh yeah. I, I agree i'm just not big fans yeah also the thing we have to keep in mind is they're basically the one team whose jersey reveal didn't have actual player models i think theirs were cgi created yeah, they were. That might be a result of, you know, of the virus, unfortunately. Yeah. So we, like, really uh, but, don't yeah. know what they look like in person. I can tell you right, right. now, I've seen the Falcons thing in person already, and I am I had a throw-up bag ready to roll. And they're so, bad, yeah. <laughs> so maybe the Rams are a, doing the best by uh, yeah. not showing us yet. All right. You had a Cleveland paper bag brown bag ready to go to vomit. You know, <laughs> I got their the New ATL. Jersey just ready to roll. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy! I uh, all right. So we got winners and losers here from the NFL schedule release, which was probably the biggest time. It like the most it's ever been a spectacle in the NFL to get this release because we're all salivating for any amount of NFL news. Yeah, we really are. I mean, honestly, the NFL schedule didn't deserve as much attention as it got. Got a three-hour special. Everybody knew who they were playing and they knew where they were playing. It's just about finding out the timing. And given everything that's happening in the world right now, that timing's probably going to get messed up anyways. Oh my god, we're playing at 4 (laughs) o'clock! But now we have more to talk about, so let's do it. Let's get into it. Alright, Kyle, who is a winner for you? Uh, Winner for me would be the Philadelphia Eagles, believe it or not. The Eagles have one of the easiest schedules um, coming up next season. I think they have the 25th um, most difficult schedule going into next season. And the Eagles, I think, are just really well positioned for next year. You know, they're, the NFC East, the division they're in, is weak. They should win at least four or five of their divisional games. You know, the Giants are not going to be particularly good. The Redskins are not going to be particularly good. And the Cowboys, you know, who knows what we're going to see out of Dallas. Probably another 8-8 eight and eight season. Unless Mike McCarthy can really, you know, make a significant impact and take that team to the next level. But I, I just really like how the Eagles schedule shaping out. They have easy opponents down the stretch. You know, they, they finished the season playing Washington at home, uh, playing Dallas, playing Arizona. Um, you know, they've got matchups with the Browns, the Giants, the Steelers, who I think the Steelers are going to have a down year next season. I couldn't decide you know, they get how the- I felt about them yet. It's, you know, Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season, but I, I can't trust Big Ben until I see it. But, he's you know, in, with he's new, in NFL shape, dude. 
yeah, yeah I'm sure Big Ben is in NFL shape right now. <laughs> um, you know, the, the the Eagles also get Cleveland early in the season. You know, they they open up with with Washington. You know, so they open and, and close their season playing one of the worst teams in the NFL. Um, you know, I I think the Eagles are pretty well positioned, especially considering last year they Carson Wentz showed he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. He's a top ten quarterback, and he was winning games throwing to nobody. And, and next season, you know, assuming Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson are back healthy, you know, they're, Wentz is returning to a team with more weapons. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I also think Doug Peterson's a truly terrific head coach. So the Eagles have a pretty favorable schedule, um, you know, in terms of, of last year's winning percentages. They have one of the easiest strength of schedules coming up next season. And, you know, given the roster moves they made, I, I can't imagine they're decimated with injuries the same way they were last season so i really like where the eagles are i think they're a winner it's funny you say that because i'm going to keep it in the nfc east here and i'm going to talk about the cowboys who i thought were a okay. winner. i mean they okay. had their average record of who they're playing from last year was four uh point four five nine sub 500 that sounds pretty nice Oof. sounds pretty sweet uh, their first seven games to me is really what makes them winners they're playing against a lot of lesser teams here they're playing against the Rams, who I think will be worse because they're going to have – they lost two of their main offensive weapons. Uh, the Falcons, I feel like, are just always going to be mediocre. The Seahawks, I do not know what to make of the Seahawks because every year everyone buries them and they end up going 11-5, and five, like we said. But then they play the Browns, the Giants, the Cardinals, and Washington. I feel like they could easily go 5-2 and two in that stretch. And then – their toughest games that they have always come following with a bad team. So they'll play the they have a stretch in their schedule where they play the Vikings, but then they play the Redskins, then they play the Ravens, then they play the Bengals, and then they play the 49ers. So it's like they get an up and down. So I would really be shocked if this Cowboys team doesn't pull out something like 10 and 6. Yeah, I I can see the Cowboys going 10 and 6, um especially with with what they did in the NFL draft. Um I just always have doubts about Dallas. I, at this point, I need to see that team and Dak Prescott win and get into the playoffs to buy into them. Oh, no. I, I Yeah, I just was looking at it based off the schedule. I mean, that front, first seven, I, I can't think of an easier first seven that you get yeah. than those. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really favorable favorable schedule for the Cowboys. I think it's very – it's like unlike a lot of the, the schedules in the league where it seems like they really don't have a tough back-to-back ever. They get like a nice right. soft cushion in between. So uh, who'd you got for your second winner, Kyle? Yeah, my second winner is the New Orleans Saints. Um, you know, they open up the season, uh, a 425 kickoff at home against Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, and then week three, the Packers come to town. Um, so they have two of their, their – toughest games in the first three weeks of the season but both of them are at home um you know and then outside of of those teams they open the season playing the raiders lions chargers panthers bears to me that's win 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 and win for the (laughs) new orleans saints um you know they they do have tougher opponents right like they they're going to square off against minnesota in december patrick mahomes and the chiefs they'll, they'll face also in december the 49ers will come to New Orleans in, in November. And like I mentioned, the Packers are coming in week three. But all of those games are at home for the Saints. 
So that's a huge advantage, especially because, you know, I mean, of course, we'll see as, as things progress, but it appears that southern states are going to be um, more willing to relax um, their shelter in place standards. So I think that's a huge advantage to New Orleans that their biggest games of the year, except their second meeting with Tampa Bay, which is, you know, of course, a division game. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the, the biggest games on, on their schedule are all at home. You know, that the only game that they won't get at home outside the division is, is against Philadelphia, uh, where they're going to have to go to Philly in December. Um, but other than that, I, I think the Saints have a really favorable, favorable outlook uh, this season, and, and especially with what they did this offseason, bringing in Emmanuel Sanders. Um, you know, it, it appears they're gearing up to make one last run with Drew Brees. Um, <laughs> For the so fifth I, year this, in a row. <laughs> Yeah, for the fifth year in a row. <laughs> Maybe next year they'll do it again. God, that'd be um, insane. Who would see it coming? I, I, think, <laughs> I, I think that the Saints are, are real winners uh, after the schedule release. Oh, no, it's weird. All right, so I did not. we did not plan this. I am going to keep it in the NFC South <laughs> for uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and we basically have the same exact notes for why we put them there. Uh, yeah. Except I ha- – so obviously their first game is at New Orleans – like you just said, which I think will be very tough to play there for Tom's first game, given that he's one in a new system and it's going to be really hard to communicate uh, in the Superdome because it's one of the loudest stadiums and Tom's whole offense really revolves around him changing the play at the line of scrimmage. So he's also playing with like a less like so far from what we've seen, the training camp is going to be very different and he's not going to be able to get on the same page as most of his new players. So I think that's a tough first game. But then he also goes to Denver in week three. And Tom has been historically bad in Denver. So this is really Tom's worst nightmare, I feel like, for his first three games. So I bet you're wondering, Corey, how are they winners? Uh, well, like you said, they get all of their hard games at home. They're playing Kansas City at home, Minnesota at home, the Rams at home, and the Packers at home. I can't think of a way that the NFL could be like, oh, Tom, don't worry. Here you go. <laughs> Take care of that arm now. We need you to make money for Tampa Bay. And, uh, yeah, I think Tampa Bay, I mean, like you said, the South is getting a lot of good home games for some reason. I I can't understand how they both got it, but, hey. Yeah, the NFL is pulling some strings with the schedule, I think. I, uh, yeah, I mean, it's Tampa Bay, so (laughs) what you can do. It's Tampa Bay, yeah. Yeah, so so my my third winner, I'll mix it up now. I'm going to go with the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, I, I feel like we really uh we really attacked Cleveland. <laughs> I think Cleveland is leaving this very happy. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know what? The Browns don't deserve it. They have they have a hard enough time as it is. But the Browns next year actually have a pretty favorable schedule. Um they're matching up with the AFC South and NFC East for their out of division opponents and you know, the AFC South, I have to imagine that that is at least two to three wins. You're playing Jacksonville, Houston, Indianapolis, and Tennessee. Tennessee is not going to be as good as they were last year. Jacksonville is probably going to have the first overall pick. Um, and between the Colts and Texans, I think only one of those two teams will make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't think particularly are very – I think they're not particularly very good. Um, although I, I like the Colts a little bit better. Um, you know, obviously being in that AFC North, they get Cle- or excuse me, they get Cincinnati two times, which given how talented Cleveland is, I think should be wins. Um, you know, some of their tougher games, like against the Colts, uh, the Texans, um, I think the Eagles as well, uh, they get at home. 
Um, you know, then they have very easy wins uh, down the stretch. They get Jacksonville in late November. They get the Jets in late December. They get the Giants right around Christmas time. Uh, they get the Raiders in early November uh, playing in Cleveland for a one o'clock kickoff. You know, that's tough for a West Coast team. Um, you know, I it, like I said, they're playing the NFC East. They, they get to play the Redskins in September. I, I think the, the, the Cleveland Browns can have a winning season next year. You know, they they have a favorable schedule. It's, I think, the 29th. Uh, toughest so one of the easiest strength of schedules period in football next year um, they're loaded with talent especially on offense and Kevin Stefanski is a really good head coach he's he's definitely an upgrade over Freddie Kitchens and you know I think Baker can have a bounce back year in year three he's obviously not Russell Wilson <laughs> um, <laughs> but he, you know he, he can be serviceable I think in the NFL so I, I like where Cleveland is I, I uh, I'm gonna keep it in the AFC North because <laughs> I oh boy <laughs> I picked the Ravens which I uh, they and for those who don't know have somehow the easiest schedule for being the first te- the first best team in the AFC. Yeah, they do, and I think they travel the fewest number of miles too, don't they? Of any team in the NFL. Delta is not a fan right now, <laughs> especially no, with how not. the economy is going. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I call the Ravens the downy schedule because let's just like you said. All right, the easy teams they play here: Washington, Cincinnati twice, Jacksonville, and the New York Giants. I think that's safe. They go five and zero. If you oppose me, yeah. I'd love to have an argument with you about that. And uh, then they, I would say, because it's divisional, I think they there's a chance they split their games with Pittsburgh and Cleveland. So that would bring them at like two and two. And then they have what they, I classified as their tough games as Houston, Philly, Indianapolis, New England, Dallas, and Tennessee. I said tough teams in air quotes because three of those teams, or four, I guess, I don't even know if they're going to be good, being the Pats, Cowboys, Colts, and Houston. And yeah. I'd say from there, I would expect them to go 4-2. and two. So that brings them to 12-4, and four, and they didn't even have to bear a sweat. Oh, by the way, when they play Kansas City, they're at home. When they play Tennessee, they're at home, which didn't go that well last time. <laughs> and, uh, they play Dallas at home. So I don't see any way this team struggles. I'm sorry. Expect to hand Lamar Jackson more praise for next season because I would be shocked. Yeah, and it, it seems like 12-4 and four might be the floor. 11-5, and 12-4 might be like the floor for the Ravens next season. I would be shocked if they were is. anything below 11-5. and five. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Something would have to go wrong with that team. Yes. Well, we can't have winners without losers, Kyle. So who was your biggest loser? No, we can't. My biggest loser, um, I'm going to take a different angle with this one. All the teams in California, to me, are are pretty big losers. Um, You know, obviously things change every day, but, you know, where we are right now, it doesn't seem as if the California teams will get to host home games next season. So the revenue loss that those teams are looking at is significant. Um, You know, the home field advantage that they're going to lose is significant, especially for, you know, the 49ers who have a pretty strong home field advantage for the LA Rams who were set to open up this brand new multi-billion dollar stadium in just a few months. And that might have to wait until 2021 um or you know at the very least later on in the 2020 season um you know i mean if 
the rest of the league is playing without fans or with limited fans um, in stadiums, I think it's less of a disadvantage for the California teams. But, you know, we're staring down a very real possibility that, you know, they can't even host training camp in their home state. So, you know, they're going to be renting out um, just worse facilities. They're going to be on the road every single week. Um so uh, to me, the California teams are, are big losers, not just from, from a business perspective, which obviously, um, but from, from a competition perspective as well. Traveling that much when you're playing such a physical and, and violent sport, that's going to add up, especially if the NFL is going to try and play a full season next year. So the California teams are big losers. I, uh, I think the AFC East teams, to me, were the biggest losers because they're playing the NFC West, which is one of the toughest divisions of football. But the, let's talk about the Patriots will have to play uh, Kansas City in Kansas City while also having to also play Baltimore and Houston. The Pats have seven games against teams that won 10 or more regular season games. So the Patriots' schedule from week two onward consists, after they play Miami, uh, consists of Seattle, Oakland, they're playing at Seattle, home versus Oakland, at Kansas City, home versus Denver, home versus San Francisco, at Buffalo, and they're also going to have to play Baltimore at home, at Houston, and at LA. That, to me, is a very tough schedule, especially for a team that's trying to figure it out. So that's a tough look for the Patriots. But also, the toughest look has to be the Jets. I mean... Their first nine games. Let's keep in mind, this is probably going to be one of the worst teams in the league. They play at Buffalo, home versus San Francisco, which is that really any advantage? At Indianapolis, home versus Denver, home versus Arizona, at LA Chargers, home versus Buffalo, at Kansas City, and home versus New England. Are we thinking that team's going to go like two and seven? (laughs) No, I think they're going to lose all those games. I mean, that was like the optimistic (laughs) look. I said maybe two and seven. And then just, like, throw, like, salt in the wound here. I mean, the Dolphins, their first six games. I Like, ever, all these media analysts are like, oh, the Dolphins are going to be the sneaky team that pulls it out. Yeah, you know what? Maybe if Tua was playing, and which I doubt he is, I think they're going to start Fitzpatrick. But even if Tua was starting, the schedule is hard. They're playing in their first six at New England, home versus Buffalo, at Jacksonville, at home versus Seattle, at San Fran, and at Denver. How on earth is any team going to make it out of there, except for Jacksonville, uh, to uh, like pose a winning record? Yeah, that's rough. That's the Dolphins, right? Yeah, and they also play yeah, oh. the Chiefs, Rams, and Chargers, but they're all at home. But you know what? Oh boy, it's it's ridiculous. <laughs> I I hope I actually do hope that they play Fitzpatrick and not Tua right away. Me I would too. hate to see them throw Tua, you know, to the Hounds like that. <laughs> Tua. <laughs> also, the Bills' oh, schedule to me, though, when I looked at it, it's really not that bad. I see him winning the division, and based on the schedule, like the, the only other team that has a chance is if the Pats claw their way to the seventh seed with their defense. Yeah, I, I think Buffalo's going to win that division, too. I think they're really good. Me, too. Um, one, one more loser for you, Corey, that I got. Um, not a specific team, but just all international fans, because all the entire international series for next year is canceled for the NFL. Which Sorry, really Mexico City. <laughs> Sorry, Mexico City. Sorry, London. That's actually a really big hit, especially the London one. Yeah, the, the United Kingdom has a ton of NFL fans. They sell out 
you know, the 80,000 seat stadiums they play in, in Tottenham and Wembley. Every time there's an NFL game there. The Jacksonville um, Jaguars. Yeah, the Jaguars. They were set to host two of them um, in <laughs> nice. England this year. Don't they take away home I mean, games for that too? Um, yeah. So, so the Jaguars were originally going to give up two of their home games to be two home games in England. So there were only going to be six home games in Jacksonville this season. Damn. Um, Jacksonville must be upset. Yeah. They must be sad. Now they get two more home games. Too bad. The team is awful. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Um, I was looking forward to watching my kids watch the Jacksonville Jaguars get spanked by the Titans. I know, yeah. Well, no, but then also the Falcons were going to host a game over there and, and ask for the Dolphins. Um, and then in Mexico City, the Cardinals were set to host a game. Um, Damn, we really so, offer the creme de la creme. Yeah, we do. <laughs> um, you know, but this it, it is pretty significant for the NFL that this isn't happening this year. Obviously, it makes sense given everything that's going on. Um, but the international series has, um, especially over the last decade, become very increasingly important for the NFL, especially England. You know, I really can't underemphasize that, how big of an American football market the United Kingdom has become. Um, hopefully we see international football back in 2021. Personally, I really love waking up and at 930 the first game is going. I really love that being on the East Coast here in the United States. Oh yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty. Cool. Um, but you know, it, it makes sense. It's it's for the right reasons for player safety to not have these games. Um, but yeah, international series. You guys are losers in 2020. I'm sorry. I uh, for my last loser here, I got uh, the losers of the Super Bowl, San Francisco. Uh, Super Bowl hangover, very popular narrative for the team that obviously didn't win. I don't think their schedule helps this possible Super Bowl, Super Bowl uh, hangover prevention. They get a really cushy start. I could not think of the easier start for them. They play Arizona at home, and then they go to MetLife twice in two weeks and play the Jets and Giants. That's an easy 3-0. and There is probably the hardest stretch in football, though, for them. They go in week 6 through 12. They play home versus the Rams at New England, at Seattle, home versus Green Bay, at New Orleans, at the Rams, and home versus Buffalo. Those are all teams that are going to compete for a playoff spot. I don't know about you, but San Francisco really coming out of there with anything above a winning record seems pretty hard for me. Just could due to the like good teams back to back to back. Yeah. I, I mean, I can see San Francisco winning a fair number of those games just because I think they're, especially because Kyle Shanahan is the coach, I think they're a really strong team. Um, and their running game next year, which is their their biggest strength, should be even better, especially considering that they added Trent Williams. Um, you know, but I, I do agree with you. That's a really difficult schedule. And also, if you look at the 49ers offseason, it's been up and down. Um, you know, I, I think they did well in the NFL draft, but they lost to Forrest Buckner, who's one of the best defensive linemen in football. But period. they got Kinshaw. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> they, the, the defensive line, even with returning Bosa, is not going to look like what it did last season, 49ers fans. Um, and Jimmy G is still the quarterback. You know, Jimmy G, I think, is like Jared Goff. He's top 22 or 23. But um, you, if you have an upgraded quarterback, you probably win that Super Bowl. But, but Kyle, um, but Kyle, he's so handsome. 
He is so handsome. It has to lead to something, right? No, it doesn't. Yeah, that's the issue. Gardner Minshew is God-tier status with that mustache. We can't even – okay, we were were debating Russell Wilson versus Baker earlier. The only person who's actually in a tier by themselves is Gardner Minshew. You don't rock that stash. (laughs) Not own the NFL. He's also going to probably get replaced next year. Yeah, probably. (laughs) But God damn that handlebar. (laughs) Yeah. All right, Kyle. Uh, Thanks for coming on, buddy. Thanks, Corey. Uh, Is there anything we should be uh, checking out on the big sports guy? Yeah, definitely. Check out the Big Sports Guy blog, Big with Two Eyes, BigSportsGuy.com. Um, also on Twitter at Big underscore Sports Guy. Um, I actually wrote a piece this morning about Isaiah Simmons in Arizona. Um, you know, the, the Cardinals are looking to really hone him in as a linebacker, which is crazy because in college he played 100-plus snaps at free safety, strong safety, cornerback defensive end and linebacker so he's one of the most explosive defensive weapons we've seen in a long time and uh yeah did a deep dive kind of on what arizona is going to use him for and um yeah just you know kind of taking it as as a look at where arizona is um so check it out check out the blog and um Thanks for having me on, Corey. This is always fun. Yeah, no problem. If you liked listening to Kyle on this podcast, you don't have to worry because he'll be coming on every two weeks, every other Friday. So Yes. Uh, yeah, has, we have a regular slot now. Yep. He has joined the Extended Cut family. And, uh, I have. <laughs> we are looking forward to uh, hearing more from you, buddy. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, definitely. Appreciate it, Corey. All right. Thanks to Kyle for coming on the podcast and talking all things NFL. The NFL season is not close enough as we head towards the summer where we're just in a abnormal low for sports content right now. I am just sitting here watching a ton of NFL top tens on YouTube and like you all, I miss it. So I'll see you next Monday for the next episode of the Corey Walsh podcast.